Welcome to Tactical Permaculture. I've worked on projects ranging from the poorest to richest clients, from inner cities to suburbs to farmlands to remote wilderness, from the eco-war front lines to celebrity backyards. In over 25 years of service to the earth and the community of life, I've learned that in the fight for sustainable survival, growing is half the battle. Go to tacticalpermaculture.com for more info. You gotta train for me Because I'm training for you We gotta love, love And revolution to do You better train for me You'll be training for you Episode 27, Exploring the Arts and Sciences of Sustainable Air Conditioning Alternatives, originally published July 29th, 2022. I'm making use of this precious precious moment where there has just been a very, a very small amount of rain, but enough to get me to enact a rain catchment drill and... Uh, open the hatches and, and try to get every everything I could possibly capture rain with um, situated and uh, sadly it was uh, it was not it was not a continuous uh, rainfall it was only only enough to really um, to just dampen dampen the ground a little bit um, but it was enough to at least test the roof uh, integrity and the uh, and just to run through that drill of remembering things that I mean I pretty much set things up so that there's not it's not a headache, it's not it's not a cluster, it's not a big chore, it's just a few tasks and it's just a it's just a convert it's just a, a little mini conversion of a few things like okay, well I'm going to remove the shade from the dome garden because obviously with cloud cover it's not going to get burnt by the sun. So I have at least until until tomorrow to um, to leave that shade down, and that and it's it's just uh, it's just canvas material which would allow droplets to go through it, but I don't want to risk that that runs off away from the, the garden beds and whatnot. So so yeah, obviously, just it made me think about just what people do sailing you know to um I, I know nothing about the science of that but you know i've seen enough footage of of the activities to where they're just being very dynamic and responsive and um and so it's it's just cool to have a bit of a drill and to to know and to realize um you have a few things already in muscle memory um and because of the temperature I because it's not winter and it's middle of summer. I'm um, I'm I'm trying to get as much as that is <laughs> that warm rainwater on me as possible, um, because 
well, I'll get into it more in, in a minute, but just want to say that uh, it's, it's, it's a beautiful experience to catch one drop of rain and put it to use in a garden and to, whether that be planting a garden and knowing that it's going to get some of those drops just naturally, even better knowing that the roof over my head, the very small, very humble, tiny home roof over my head is is working as as it's engineered with its uh, <laughs> corrugated metal and uh, and galvanized cans of food uh, wired together onto a, a rain chain that goes down to a galvanized pot. It's like as cowboy as it gets, as um, I guess I could. Well, I'm not gonna say one thing, but I will say it says uh, it says as DIY and and upcycling as as it gets uh, to get the job done and. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm into this rustic aesthetic and not not buying a bunch of expensive, brand new, hyper-engineered, hyper-plastic, whatever it is. There's all kinds of fancy-schmancy stuff out there. And I'm not going to say that I don't use some modern contraptions for things, but I'm weaning myself off more and more every day. And um, and if I can get the job done, even with materials that are destined to rust out, given the fact that it's a desert and it barely rains at all, I can stretch that timeline quite a ways. So, yeah, I'm, I'm way more... Way, I vibe way better in the feng shui of less, pre- less plastic, less over-engineered, expensive sustainability stuff and just go with what 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 a cowboy could have done on the range 100 years ago or whatever um and it's just a precious moment to behold the even though it's literally no pun intended a drop in the bucket it's a very beautiful centering meditative experience just to be greeted on the skin by the drops of rain and I hope that anybody listening who has more rain in their life and takes it for granted that well you probably don't have to appreciate it as much as I do and you probably appreciate it plenty but um for myself, I'm gonna say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not spoiled with rain, <laughs> and so it really is. Uh, it's just amazing experience to to behold, and it just always makes me think about all the rain that I squandered and that what I was spoiled with, and all the places that I've lived that were rainier and more temperate climates and whatnot and just always thinking back of how many years I've lost of not having planted fruit and nut trees in a food forest decades ago and that 
and that my family had not even though they knew they knew the these sustainable there's I'm not going to go all into that the shadow of the, the of that history but um it's a real it's a, it's really sad to think about um how much more time i personally could have had to get ahead of the game of growing my own food on my own land and that's just a, a, a fact of life being a, a landless peasant for the for for most of my life until the last year and that's true for a lot of people in the world and it's like uh planted a lot of fruit and nut trees on other people's property as a professional designer installer on various crews and my own gigs and community projects and all kinds of places and it's uh it's it's pretty trippy to be to be trying to keep these few trees i've got out here alive under these extreme conditions under such extreme shifts in the planet geopolitically and climatologically and all i can say is that i'm glad that i had all the training that i've had and i hope it really clicks in as i need it and that it serves me well and that as i can afford to i'm scaling out from this very almost like a a scale model in a lab what i have the basic the basics the most simple functioning scale model of a of a one man ecosystem and just keeping that alive studying the the effects of frost kill in the winter and now this is the first summer where i've had crops to sustain last summer it was it was only in the fall that i got the first crops going and um so yeah just seeing seeing the trees struggle in the heat and desiccating winds making sure to keep them hydrated so we pull through keeping the fish fed and their water level up cuz there's a lot of evaporation in the heat and then just holding on to my cognitive function despite sleep disruption due to temperatures and I've done the research now a little bit studying what's going on with sleep disruption when temperatures at night are above, are, are are between the 
the, I guess the the figure I was looking at was saying that according to some study, it was like um, if the temperature at night is above 87 degrees, your body is going to have a very difficult, if not impossible, time trying to do what it what I did not know that it that it would that it does. But it, I guess it makes sense, or it's it's just a fascinating part of the physiology of sleep. But that in order to sleep properly, the body actually will regulate, thermoregulate and drop the core temperature down about two degrees at night for sleeping. And that's part of circadian rhythms. And it's all sort of, it's affected by the temperature, it's affected by light and whatnot. So, whereas it's sensical to me that um that just staying out of the out of the i mean getting a few things done moving around just a little bit in the very early morning getting up like an hour before dawn now to to have breakfast and some green tea and then once the sun comes up i can see i can move around for yeah a couple a couple few hours before the sun gets at an angle to where to where it's 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 crushing my soul um and i have to get and i can do a couple hours in the office in the shade go make a a quick uh have a walk quickly through through the sun to get to a shaded uh lunch little lunch nook that i set up with bamboo shade and um have that ceremony and then pretty much yeah for the rest of the day feel feel like i've been punched in the face repeatedly non-stop <laughs> for 16 hours and um but literally i've said it before that sense of like oh no i got in the bathtub and it's way hotter than i intended it's not too hot to get in it's not like burning me, but once you get in there, you just feel like, oh my God, I'm melting. My brain is melting. I can't think. It's uncomfortable. I want to crawl out of my skin. And it's like that. Now it's like that 24-7. So I've taken various measures to stay cool with um, spray bottles and, and wraps on the head and the neck of damp cloths and whatnot, which work very well. And then another important discovery was that um, I wanted to look into uh, <laughs> I wanted to actually even though I don't want to go with this high tech highly engineered approach to anything I did want to take a look at some HVAC tutorial videos to just see the science of how they do this on the industrial scale the commercial installations and whatnot. like what are the principles they're using like discovering things such as the use of cooled water, refrigerated cooled water that is that is run through a a coil of pipe of metal pipe. I, I would imagine it's copper, but I'm not sure. I, I don't remember the material of the of the metal, but but basically having those those giant fans that you see on AC boxes outside. Um, one of the methods, if it's not 
going through some sort of aerosolized spray, which is has its own associated risks of legionnaires, another topic. But but it's interesting to think about just the, how to get those degrees of temperature down with airflow and fans and um, and coiling metal. So I'm just thinking about how can I adapt kind of a yeah a pre pre plastic more more down to earth um strategy and uh I have had to cut corners and I did cut corners when installing the um the earth t- earth tube cooled dome and that corner that was cut which I would have preferred to use some sort of very sturdy ceramic or metal um alternative to any kind of plastic but what ended up being affordable and approximately to specification was this hd hdpe uh this high density polyethylene uh solid drainage pipe and running that 100 feet plus underground to a semi underground dome and um and and putting a fan on that that's solar paneled and that's blowing air blowing hot air from the surface that would otherwise be burning my face like a hot <laughs> a hot uh uh highest setting blow dryer a hair dryer that that air goes underground gets cooled in that in those tubes uh, as it exchanges heat with the soil underground down about three feet and that by the time it travels about a hundred feet it's shed enough of the heat from the surface air the surface temperature air that it delivers a, 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 how, however many degrees cooler I can't get an exact reading on how much cooler it is but it definitely is effective so that science experiment worked and last time I talked about it I said I was too afraid to try it well I did decide I would capitulate to that to the heat and get in there and get in that dome and swing in that hammock and have that directed uh, earth tube underground piped cooled air um basically i i've set it up with the angles of the uh of the couplers so that i could literally um have it like an arm that is that with joints that can twist and i can i can use it to sort of to spot treat my face or my neck or my groin those are in the armpits the, the the center mass really spot treat areas and um and be blasting it with cool blasting myself with cool air and then also applying water on on top of thin layered clothes like a tank top and boxer shorts basically and uh and that combination is is a very low low energy very very few moving parts to break as long as the solar as long as the solar panel system and battery system holds up which has a long relatively long lifespan not too hard to fix or replace 
any parts that could there's nothing computerized um there is a chip for the for the charge controllers but they seem to be holding up well and i doubt that there would be much of an issue at the the scale that i'm operating on but yeah low budget low tech or semi mid tech you could say but then once that once that cool air gets underground and sent out to me down there it's a, it's a game changer to be able to be in that space and to have know that this is probably what could get me through de- unspeakably deadly temperatures on the surface um it's just it's just a little bit it's a little bit of of high maintenance uh i'm not going to seal off it's very it, there's a lot of breathing it's a, it's a mulch covered dome so that it's basically an equivalent survivalist bushcraft terms it's like a debris hut supported on a on a frame and a a, a, a like a climbing dome frame and so that mulch breathes but luckily it blocks a lot of the wind but it's not pushing enough air to really change the temperature within that dome i mean that cool air is hitting me evaporating the the moisture on my on my clothes or on my face or my head and and then it's gone so it has to continually be it's continually coming in and luckily unlike the surface air fans that do nothing but blast that hot air in my face the cool air while it on its own is not quite enough to under the current conditions just give me an air conditioned room it gives me an air conditioned me <laughs> and as long as i keep applying a bit of um a bit of moisture then i can multiply that effect and i can maintain within safe body temperatures and so all, with all that said okay so that's that's the current state of my <laughs> hvac system but i wanted to look into it more i wanted to research the materials and and wonder if i had made a huge type 1 error by using materials that were off gassing volatile organic compounds which there was a odd uh there there is an odd an odd smell coming from that from those pipes and um and i couldn't really attribute it exactly to anything um ex- it's it it's kind it has kind of a sweet sour smell and i'm kind of like oh is this is this it's almost like it's not as foul as like formaldehyde or 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 paints or things that really give you make make me not i'm very sensitive to that stuff it makes me nauseous gives me a headache so after spending whatever a good 8 hours to experiment experiment with that whole cycle um basically after lunch spend the rest of the day experiencing what it's like to um to cycle through that until it gets dark at which point i don't i don't want to be um i mean at which point the the power 
the, the there's no longer enough enough solar power or the, the battery bank is not big enough and I don't I don't at this point care to make it as absurdly big as it would have to be from where it is now to where it works very well for having a, a, a off-grid computing office very low low energy uh, requirements for that but basically the, na- the the way it works is that and I'm not the only one I'm I'm not the only one with 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 experience in fact there are people with much more experience and much more resources who have who have come to the conclusion that like yeah part of the thing about the off-grid lifestyle is that if the sun's not out you just have to kind of minimize because <laughs> you could have a full charge in those batteries but they get drained they get drained way faster than you would wish that they would so yeah running a high powered or a basically a box fan all night is is not going to is not going to work it, it works it bl- it blasts when the sun's out and uh i get great performance during that time but like i said um this is really a at this stage in the development of the project what that what that earth tube cooling system what the current state phase of this hvac system is capable of is just guaranteeing that i have an extra um extreme temperature buffer strategy that that would keep me alive if temperatures actually get to a point where where there's nothing you can do um aside from administering this sort of continual cycling of cool air of of fanned cooled cooled air and and water and just cycling through that until until at least the the uh the peak temperatures go down and and what i'm realizing is that there may not be a big shift in from peak temperatures more than five or ten degrees if you're if i'm lucky and so but most importantly if i know i can survive up to 120 and not have my brain damaged to the point where i can't do what i'm doing right now which is make sentences and and record this episode i'll take that as the key indicator um yeah, I've survived those temperatures. I have that strategy to buffer even more extreme temperatures, but it is still a work in progress. And uh, and yeah, it's prompting me to do more research. So one beautiful discovery that was made because I'm looking into this HVAC stuff is I watched a documentary where they talked about the history of of this technology and the science and. Um, I really I'm really fascinated now by by the the history of of air conditioning and um and I'm not going to I'm not going to be so primitivistic and so purist that I'm going to be against all of, all of the tech I'm going to say what is the most appropriate for me what's the most adaptive and also realize 
we're in a sci-fi reality where we're going to have to hack up and mash up all kinds of different strategies just to survive. So if those strategies can be ones that, that use motors and batteries and coiled wire and just stuff that you can MacGyver and that you can pull out of a junkyard, to me that is a more sustainable outlook than buying the fanciest, newest, most high-tech IoT whatever system. So I really want to figure out how I can have this sort of um, rustic AC scenario and um yeah the fans mo- fan motors are going to last a long time um batteries don't last don't last forever but um i mean i even think about what it would take to do what they did kind of like in the colony series discovery channel i believe it was survival urban survival exper- uh, experiment, social experiment, reality show. They they totally, from scratch, from scrap materials, engineered a windmill. And I could imagine with the right differentials and gear shifts and whatnot, which I know nothing about the engineering of, you could actually... Um, yeah, you could actually... You could create... unmotorized powerful fans that that would that would um yeah somehow do the job even if you could funnel that down to a to us from from a very large to a very small point to where small movement of a large fan creates lots of movement of a small fan and if you what i'm realizing is that it's about smaller spaces to keep warm and to keep cool and and focusing very directly on on the body itself. So from from that research, yeah, looking at the history of even the even the first fans that were built and the designs of them is very interesting. But something that immediately was applicable from that research was the the when they shared the fact that in India they a strategy to cool palaces was to take damp fabric mats and hang them over the doorways and soak them in in water i don't know exactly what what uh, i'm going to look into it because it's fascinating because that's exactly what what i had hoped would be possible in some fashion is that beyond just wrapping a uh, wrapping a, a bandana that's been dunked in water and and wrung out and 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 tying two socks two two damp socks around my neck which I've been doing that uh, that there would be a way some way I tried a few different ways already of like okay I have like a basically a box fan is it possible that I can somehow get that blasting hot air that's killing me from that box fan to actually to actually be moistened, to be cooled, and therefore do its job the way that I, the way that it normally would if the temperatures were below like 90 degrees. I kind of realized that somewhere around 80 to 90 degrees is is my estimation of where is of, of where a, a fan stops 
working <laughs> other than to blast hot air at you and, and make you more uncomfortable than you would have been otherwise and 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 I'm not sure the science of whether or not it's doing more harm than good to your core body temperature but it's certainly making it com- totally uncomfortable on the surface so so yeah, the fan. The, it was disappointing realizing last year that yeah, these fans are nullified because when you need them the most, all they're going to do is is cook you even worse. So I tried things like spraying the fan blades with the water bottle, and then and then realizing the futility of like yeah, if I use the spray bottle and spray consecutively one spray after the next that'll do that job that will moisten the air take the heat out of that that and and then it will it will be beautiful it will be doing its job and cooling me and it will be like um the best the 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 best of all scenarios to have that to have the moisture in the air just like those um those festival and party you set them up with your hose and it's spray nozzles and they just create a constant mist um for for let's say a barbecue or whatever i don't like again i said i'm off grid i'm low power and i and i'm on a budget with how i use that water so i'm trying to think about how not to just be yeah spending all day every day spraying myself constantly so that there's a constant mist so to drastically reduce that inefficient use of water given my water budget after learning about that india palace technique i immediately said to myself that is what i got to do i will dampen a very thin strip of a, a, a thin uh well it's it's like a thin bedsheet material so it's very water absorbent and um, and very easy to work with and very light. And then take a take a, a rectangle cutting of that of that material, and then clip it so that it is being is basically intercepting that that box fan uh, blasting hot air, and then what and then. Yes, it was it was a an approximation of the effect that they that they would achieve because what gave them the cooling effect was the wind coming through the doorways hitting that that soaked mat uh fabric mat and that that and that the air that there would then I mean just the it's it's yeah it's obviously a combination of some amount of 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 the the air from the outside going in but it's also a factor of just the movement of the moisture particles and how those moisture particles suck the heat out of out of the air in the room and um and so yeah multiple different physics factors at play but most importantly for me the fact that I can hang up this hang up this this segment of sheet and uh it's 
enough air is is going through it enough enough of that fan air is going through it going around it and whatnot but generally within a small space the the broader the sort of emergent property is that that otherwise again very uh very torturous blasting hot air is is neutralized and it's not and it it, it does feel it can get to to a point of feeling like a cool breeze. It's not as as drastic or dramatic as like real well blasting AC. But you know, a lot of people know the experience of like their AC not being really <laughs> what it was in the beginning, or it's sort of fading a little bit. It still works enough to where you don't you're not suffering in your car while you're driving. You're not sweating like a pig, or I don't even know the expression, but um. You're not uh, you're not sweating profusely, so it's working just to keep you from being extremely. Was basically keeping you from being from being um, fussy about how uncomfortable the temperature is, and it's keeping you from sweating profusely. And that's better than nothing, and it's it's enough to more than keep you alive, but but keep you from from really being very agitated so breakthrough on that so that's interesting just wow where in this climate emergency world is it possible to create some sort of automated cycle of water i mean you think about all the water just going to waste in fountains and just evaporating into nothing and yeah, it's beautiful and it's great, and I'm all for that beauty and that 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 aesthetic. But but perhaps to scale out more um, access to cooling opportunities, that something like this. I'm not trying to write a proposal for a grant or anything to retrofit cities, but I'm retrofitting my own my own microclimate my own settlement and now I realize that um, yeah whereas before I tried things like spraying water at the fan and realizing that that was very that was that was very inefficient and futile ultimately and then doing things like when I I did wet I did fully dampen a sheet of that fabric drop it on top of the fan put it behind the fan drape it over the fan and that wasn't doing anything but creating hanging it a couple of feet away was magical and it and it it was it's a game changer now so i'm very interested in in how i can scale that out and um and 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 sort of in some way automate that because with just some sort of drip without like then you don't need a mister which wastes a lot of that water too i feel like well depending on how it's set up, but I feel like, yeah, I shouldn't say waste, it just uses it faster. So what I discovered is that relative to how much water I would have to use to be comfortable with a spray bottle and a box fan, <laughs> I could still, I could I could dampen that, I could use the spray bottle to, to, to spray down that fabric and then periodically as as it would dry out as it normal as you would expect it would as if it was as if you were 
drying clothes and it's being evaporated in, in the heat, um, even though it's in the shade, it's a little bit slower, but it still dries out pretty damn quick and it's pretty thin. But the effect is such that it's it's worth it and it's efficient to, it's way more efficient to, to, to dampen that fabric every, every um, whatever, half an hour to an hour and just do that a few times and that gets me through the day. And that's, um, that's a game changer. So, you know, to be able to just, now I know like, wow, that's happening on one dimension on me. What if I could now scale that to two dimensions or one angle is probably the better word. So now I think, what if I could get like a hexagon of those fans and that fabric and, and piping that would drip, that would uh, consistently drip and maintain the moisture level on those fabrics, then I, I could literally have basically like a tent within a dome or a tent within a tent that's a very small area just around me that would allow me to think, move, not feel heat exhaustion, compute, and, and whatnot, and I feel like um, that's a very interesting concept to start to to scale down to the minimum, which is where it's at now, and scale that up to maybe where we're we're a very again relatively low energy, relatively low water input, and relatively low manufacturing input. That's just something that I had not seen done before. Maybe I, maybe it was happening at festivals and parties and things, and I didn't know it. But I think that, um, you know, with grid power or, or generator power or lots of water supply, people don't have to push to the limits and in the, in the outer edges of, like, the most minimalist possible strategy to get the job done. But it's interesting to get pushed to those limits of the most minimal, minimalistic way to get the job done and then think about how you could actually scale up from that without crossing the boundary of needing a lot more, a lot more investment of capital to, 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 to do what, what would just be considered the obvious... Um, you know, obvious strategies, and I look at the standalone AC units that require full uh, regular wall power. I'm 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 blanking on my on my exact uh, current terminology right now, but um, yeah, basically you can't get away with. You, you can't get away with a 12-volt um, with a lot of that, with those, a lot of those kinds, of kinds of appliances. So anyway, that's where I'm at, trying to maintain um, that core body temperature and trying to uh, trying to yeah mash up this research okay yeah coming back to something I, I i realized i i got on a tangent and 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 uh and and skipped over was um that that sweet and sour smell coming from the the earth tube piping that was the high the high density polyethylene which i admit is is a corner that i would rather have not have cut and at a future time with future resources i will 
be so glad to um to do that right with um with metal or um or ceramic materials that's the dream to go 100% zero plastic or 0% plastic with everything but as a stopgap for now cut that corner and when I did the research I was I, I realized that I was blessed that I had not gotten any PVC and that it was HDPE and um, I, I don't want to say I dodged a bullet on that one because it's it was uh, I wasn't looking for HDPE PE, but I would have seen a red flag and avoided PVC if, and, and I would have scrapped the project if that was my only option within the budget at the time. But HTPE is, I'm not going to say I think it's non-toxic, I'm going to say it's relative, relatively non-toxic depending on the scenario of its usage, but I was concerned with that odor that that I had really done myself in because now even though I proved that I could um, enjoy that that uh, that earth tube dome system strategy, <laughs> it became unenjoyable the fact that there was the presence of this odor, and I'm like I can't I can't believe I I can't believe I did myself in like this. This is for me. It's it's yeah. It would have to be life and death to 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 tolerate that. It's not that it's super noxious. It's just just kind of there enough to be like, yeah, this is. I'm gonna I'm gonna avoid this if possible. I don't know what it is. I don't like it. It's not the worst thing ever. It's not the most potent thing ever. But it's definitely just like to me. It's like as unnerving as those bathroom deodorizer fragrance oil plug-in little things that just I looked at the chemicals in there and I they give me headaches like stuff like that those weird fragrance chemicals they give me headaches uh scented trash bags of the like they 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 make me feel very agitated and and give me and 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 I get headaches from that um and uh I'm really sad that that that's become so popular and so embedded, um, but not a hill I'm trying to die on. It's just I try to avoid it when I can. But it's on that level of being like, yeah, it's not. I'm not coughing. I'm not wheezing. My eyes aren't watering. I'm not gonna pass out and die. It's not gonna kill me. But it is. It is that annoyance level, and what I realized is it did not give me a headache. So I endured that slight displeasure for about eight hours, and it did not, it did not give me a splitting headache. So that was a good sign. But I did want to go ahead and do more research and go, what could that be? What did I get myself into and didn't account for properly? Um, and uh, you know, obviously, I did. I spent a lot of time. Um, running air through that system before I used it days and days and days and days and days of blowing air through it hoping that that would get rid of any off-gassing of anything and that just you know it's expected that new materials that are of any kind of plastic uh, components are going to 
have some off gassing at least for a while until it gets to a point where at least you can't smell it even if it's still giving you cancer and like everything else is but one 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 battle at a time but uh but yeah this was an interesting thing i'm gonna wrap it up make this note interesting little kind of um somewhat somewhat comical note is that um given the fact that I do not want moisture or critters or bugs even three feet below the surface to be to be um messing with the the joints of that of that pipe I did use a um silicone sealant which again relatively speaking is 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 uh, relatively non-toxic as a sealant um and so I had yeah applied that sealant to all the joints as I put them together and um felt good about doing the right thing not letting moisture creep into that air 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 supply pipe and um and then realize and then did realize like okay it's either it's either the sealant or the pipes themselves but I do notice that there is something um, there is an odor when the fan is on and it's blowing that air through and it's not, like I said, it's not the worst thing in the world. Now I know it doesn't give me a headache, but I'm not thrilled about it. So researching it, I looked into, well, actually I was applying, uh, I was applying that sealant to something this morning and, uh, and that's when I realized that okay that confirms this it was very distinct applying that sealant more than it had been before that just you know two experiences relatively close together you connect the dots more easily whereas before i had not connected those dots and it was still kind of a mystery and uh and i i finished building this thing before the major summer heat came on luckily <laughs> barely before it started to get to get to get really hard really hardcore um but the testing i had done to get that initial whiff and realize that it it, it had faded in my mind like i can't remember what it smelled like i just thought it was like normal and i better just flush it out with air as much as i can before i need to get in there it's not airtight either. There's plenty of airflow. It's not sealed off the dome. It breathes quite a bit. So I'm not in any danger of being toxified by fumes in there. It's just a little bit of a, it was just a little bit of a, of, of a noticing of an odor. But it, again, it had faded in my mind. So what brought it back together was having spent a day in there dealing with just the factor of that odor being there and then a day or two later not thinking of connecting those dots cognate consciously but but applying sealant to another little project and um and then realizing aha that's that's what it is it is it's the sealant it's not the pipes which is great because i know that the the sealant is considered far less questionable than the pipes themselves so if the pipes aren't doing it that's check that is a relief if it's the sealant doing it 
that's a partial relief. Now I'm going to research more about what that smell actually is. And lo and behold, at the end of the day, what it turns out to be, and I'm not making any health claims or giving any health advice, but I was very pleasantly surprised to see that according to the research that I did, it's acetic acid that gives off that 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 is that is what you're smelling with the um the the uh the odor of that sealant as it dries or until it fully dries and then acetic acid is just simply what vinegar is and now now I'm super curious does that mean that they use vinegar in the process or the, is is it vinegar somehow magically chemically created in 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 the chemical process of that sealant uh, that silicone sealant I, I I don't know the chemistry of it I don't know why it is all I know is that uh, if if it's as as harmless as vinegar fumes then unless you were making a bong with it it's it seems to be about as I mean I couldn't feel more almost. I couldn't ask for a better outcome of relief to say, okay, if there is an odor that I'm going to have to hope wears off or adapt to or maybe mask with some other fragrance strategy, then um, then all it is, is is a smell of vinegar. But but it's interesting because the mind, <laughs> if I would have if I would have done a blind taste test and someone would have put that put a taste put a, a cup of vinegar in front of me and then swap it out with um with a cup of un of, of wet silicone then i realize now actually you probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference and so if that's the scenario that i'm in that is not the end of the world i can live with that i can survive that it is it seems like probably the the least possible toxic scenario given the design parameters and what I had to do to get this job done to where I can live with that and feel okay about it so of course what I what I did do is I immediately said okay I'm gonna go and do that taste that smell test <laughs> and I I took a you know a, a, a moderate whiff of the sealant to sample that acetic acid from the silicone sealant and then I took a breath and gave it a minute and and then opened a, a, a bottle of vinegar and took a smell of that and I realized in proximity or, or, or the experience being related I'm able to say ah I, I, it does click I connect the dots but because I was expecting more of a volatile chemical off-gassing experience i was trying my mind my brain was trying to attribute the acetic acid odor smell to a more of a voc type of smell and so i was just sort of biasing and skewed towards that expectation and therefore it's almost like a psychosomatic thing and um so it'll be interesting now if i think ah it's basically like i'm just tossing a salad all day and that's why it smells kind of like vinegar in here um <laughs> it's it's not it's not like black mold it's not like when i was in a studio where i had made the mistake of building out a a bunch of infrastructure in that studio with with uh with uh 
plywood that was big, that sort of particle plywood that's not not sort of particle but it's like shredded it's all formaldehyde glued together and I was in that chamber with no ventilation for months and months and months and that was hell I'm surprised I survived and I probably do have a carcinogen load and a and, and a some brain damage from that um but uh hey like i said everything is one step closer to a non-toxic life and from there to here it's night and day i'm light years closer to my non-toxic living experience where i have fresh air the only the only fume that that i'm having to contend with is a little bit of what seems like that residual, hopefully diminishing over time, acetic acid coming from that sealant in those underground pipes. And I, I just assume that they're, that because they are in contact with air and because airflow and hot air, at that for that matter, is coming through it, it's got to be a matter of time before that it just, it's done. But anyway, just take that time to note this journey of man against toxins, man against plastic, man versus permaculture, man versus big box stores, you know, how how few items can I can I purchase so that I never have to purchase anything ever again. And um, if I can survive with what I have now, at record-breaking temperatures around the world. That gives me time to grow the shade and grow the ponds and do everything that would make this actually a very, a very um, beautiful, livable oasis microclimate. So hopefully this prosthesis works. Hopefully I make it through this year and beyond and that... Uh, yeah, we, we all learn to uh, live simply so that others may simply live and, and look into these uh, ancient moistened fabric wind and fan life hacks to, to create redundancy with AC if you have it and to create that, that life-saving line of defense if you don't. Cheers.